Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Here's a question for listeners. What would you do if you had cancer of the rectum and the doctor said you would need a full colostomy? You're scared. You're in a psychologically vulnerable place and you want to keep living a normal life. Our guest today had cancer of the rectum, went with conventional treatment of chemo and radiation, but when doctors told him he had to have a full colostomy, he opted for cannabis instead. And joining us from Florida to tell his story is Craig Kettleson. Craig, thanks for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Now, there are a number of signs of cancer of the rectum. When did you first notice that something was amiss? The first time would have been January 2nd of 2017. Um, New Year's Day, we had gone to a very fancy hotel brunch here in town. Um, and I, oh boy, did I overdo it on the protein? That was pretty much all I had. Uh, it was a very, very elaborate buffet with all kinds of shellfish, um, stone crabs and lobster and, and oysters and you name it, it, uh, the best of the best. And I ate a whole lot. So the following day when I used the bathroom, it just felt, it, it, it felt like I passed a softball. And I'd never had that experience before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew something was amiss. And I remember telling my partner, uh, I think I broke my butt, for <laughs> my exact words. And um, I felt, um, I thought perhaps that it was due to just the amount of protein that I had had. I'd ate, I'd, I had just had no greens or, or any kind of carbohydrate <laughs> that day. And I, like I said, I really overdid it. And I thought perhaps I tore something. There was some kind of an issue um, and, and so there was a sensation, not necessarily a painful one, but a sensation that followed me for several months after that. Um, and it steadily got worse. Um, probably around February, I remember using the bathroom one night and, I uh, passed a great amount of blood, um, which scared me, but <laughs> not enough to go to the doctor. <laughs> I'm just one of those guys. Um, I've, I've actually going back just a bit, I, I have, um, I, I rarely get sick. People around me would have the flu or colds or whatever, and just, it never got to me. So I always thought, Hey, I have a bulletproof immune system, so I'd never mm-hmm. have to worry about anything. So that blood, eh, that's nothing. I'll go to the doctor eventually. Anyway, as time progressed into, uh, the spring, I felt as though I always had a sensation to use the, to have to have a bowel movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you would think, go to the doctor, Craig. <laughs> no, why would I do that? Uh, finally, it was uh, in the fall. It was October 20. It was, uh, I don't know, the third week in October. And it was a Sunday night. And I had another bleeding episode. But this time, rather than just one time, it was about every 45 minutes starting you know, in the evening and went until about 11 o'clock at night. I thought I was going to probably have to go to the emergency room that night because I was scared how much blood I, I lost. It was shocking to me. I'd never experienced anything like that. Um, so instead that Monday I made a call, found a, a good, um, uh, gastroenterologist 
in town. He saw me the following day and just just did a, a, a digital examination and said, mm-hmm. mm, I need to see you and, and for a, a colonoscopy, excuse me, a colonoscopy, <laughs> wrong word. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you'll prep tomorrow. I'll see you on Thursday. And so after the procedure, you know, when I woke up, he was right there and he says, well, you know, we haven't sent, got the, uh, the, the biopsies back obviously, but I've been doing this long enough to know you need to see an oncologist tomorrow. So that's how it started. Well, so did that catch you by surprise? I was in great denial. Like I said, mm-hmm. I just was convinced, you know, that my my immune system and it was it had to have been something else. You know, I was 51 at the time. Um, and I so yes and no, I guess deep down, if I really thought about it, clearly there was a problem. But but you weren't just, going there. I wasn't. I And I'm uh, yeah, I wasn't going there. Exactly. Yeah. So what was the next uh, step for you, Craig? Uh, well, next, when you're diagnosed, they, at least here in the States, I don't know what it's like where you are, you are immediately put into what is seems like a machine, and it's a whirlwind. Whereas normally, to make an appointment, you know, you have to call and schedule it. No, no, they're calling you. They're saying, hey, we're going to see you at 2 o'clock, and then you're going to get a scan, you know, at 4 o'clock, and then the next day you're going to get a blood test at, at 9 o'clock, and... And mm-hmm. you're just immediately swept into this, well, I call it now a machine. I, it was, you know, quote, care at the time. And, and, and it is. I'm, I'm grateful for the, for the uh, treatment that I got. But it doesn't um, give you a time. T- they don't give you time to sit and think because you feel like you've been hit by a truck. And before you can even analyze anything and, and think things through and decide whether or not this is what you want to do, you're kind of swept up in the whole thing. It's absolutely true. When I saw the oncologist, which was my first appointment the following day, uh, that Friday in the afternoon, I didn't, he, I didn't even really know what cancer was or how it worked, mm-hmm. which is so ignorant. And I, I can't believe it, but I didn't. And so, you know, the paper that's, uh, that covers the, uh, the, you know, the bench that you sit on during examinations, mm-hmm. he got out his ballpoint pen and he's drawing me, I still have it. He's drawing me a little <laughs> diagram of, okay, well, this is a normal cell and this is a cancer cell and this is what it does. And, and went through the whole, uh, I mean, it, it was right back at square one giving me, and so yes, to be swept up, it was just, it, it was shocking. I don't know if that's the right word, but oh, it sure. was, um, it was it was quite something. No, I can understand that uh, because if if a doctor tells you you have cancer, uh, immediately I think you're beset by fear, anxiety, vulnerability, mm-hmm. and anything the doctor I can imagine that anything the doctor says after that you don't hear because of the. Um, you're kind of in fight and flight. That's right. Yeah. Were you like that, uh, Craig? Yes, absolutely. I I. I, I, whereas normally I can remember situations, conversations, almost verbatim. You know, I have a, an ability to do that. It is a complete blur yeah. as to mm-hmm. what happened that day. I, I remember the sketch, and that's about it. And yeah, it was it was quite something, and and uh, very unnerving. Now you opted for chemo and radiation, correct? Yes, I. The other thing is, as I as I said, when you're swept into the machine mm-hmm. of it all, and you you had said, Corey, and and very well said, you you don't have time to think. 
you and I was I had no knowledge of cancer. I didn't know. I knew obviously about chemotherapy and radiotherapy, radiation therapy, but I didn't know how it worked, how it was administered. I knew nothing. And uh, even after that meeting with the oncologist the first time, I still knew knew very little. You know, there was a port that was supposed to be put in and and then I was dealing with my insurance at the time and it was just really overwhelming. Um, so, uh, I, yes, I opted to have the treatment. Um, I didn't actually go with that oncologist. It turned out he wasn't in my insurance plan. I found another one. Um, and so I did go through five weeks of radiotherapy. Um, and then also I did chemotherapy. I was, as far as I'm told now, I was lucky. I, I was able to take it in a pill form. It's something called Zolota. Um, and so the side effects for that are, 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 are quite less from what I understand than the type of chemotherapy that's typically done the full Fox where Mm -hmm. they go through a port and right into your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. Did you have any effects from the radiation? Yes. Um, well, initially, like I said, it was five weeks of, Mm -hmm. of, of, of treatment. The first three weeks I would, would go every day, Monday through Friday at the same time every day, you know, you lay down on a big, on a bench and this big, machine kind of circles around you and makes all kinds of buzzing noises and things. And I remember talking to the radio techs because, you know, you see them every day, you kind of get friendly with them. And, you know, I also, I have to take your pants down. So you get really friendly with them. (laughs) Um, I remember saying, is this doing anything? Well, they said, just wait. (laughs) And they were right because by week three, um, I, my, my penis was bloody from the radiation. Um, I had to wrap it in a, in a special gauze. And this was, by the way, this isn't anything that they tell you to do. You have to figure it all out on mm-hmm, your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so I had to wrap it in gauze. I found a, a wonderful product out of Arizona, which was a, a, uh, an aloe vera gel that had, um, Oh, I can't remember. Lanocaine, perhaps? Is that the name of it? Lanolin, like, but a good, maybe? No, not lanolin. It was no. la- lidocaine. Lidocaine? It's, a, it's lidocaine. That's it. Thank you. Um, about a 5%. And so I would just, you know, cover cover my appendage with that. And, and I would walk like a little zombie. I'd have to wear two pairs of underwear. So my penis was just strapped to my body so it wouldn't move. Um, because I was determined to go to work. I didn't tell anybody that I even was, I mean, my immediate family knew and my partner knew obviously, but, um, I didn't tell my parents who would live out in California because they're elderly and that they just would have been wrecked by it and worried to death. So I just kept it to this day. They actually don't know. (laughs) Oh, they still don't know. They still don't know. I've just kept it to myself. My friends around here and family know once I, once I got a the, well, I guess I'm telling, giving a spoiler alert. Um, once I got the good news that it was gone, um, you know, I did reveal uh, what I had gone through and uh, what I did to get there. Now, after your uh, chemo and radiation, when did the doctors say that you need a full colostomy? Okay, so I started treatment in uh, the early early November and ended in early December. Um, so about six or seven weeks after that. Um, I went to see the surgeon, um, who is at a renowned, uh, you've heard of it, cancer clinic down here. Um, and he's actually renowned nationally from what I understand as being, um, 
he's noted for sphincter preservation is how it was explained to me. He's able to do surgeries. In, in my case, let me back up just a second. My four-inch tumor was right uh, at what they call the dentate line, which is just behind your anus um, and uh, where the... Just behind the anus, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, were you? Um, um, so, so it was in a precarious spot. Craig, were you um, adenal carcinoma then, or squamous? Edema. Ade- yeah. Okay. Because yeah. the first yeah. little bit in a squamous, and you were right on the border there. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Let's see, I so, know exactly what you're talking about because I've been there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, I went to go see the surgeon following the treatment and he did an examination with a scope and, uh, the, the treatment was successful to a degree. The, sh- the tumor had shrunk approximately 50% and flattened out, but it was still its proximity to my sphincter was, it was right there. So his recommendation was to have a, a colonoscopy, a full colonoscopy. Um, and you know, at 51 years old, it was just kind of, not the news you want to hear. Um, I, I, I remember driving home and calling a friend of mine, uh, who is very much into natural medicine, um, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And she said, don't worry about it, Craig. She says, I am going to get you on RSO. I said, what's that? She says, just come by, I'll show you, or I'll tell you about it. She didn't obviously have any, but she had some things printed out from the internet ready for me. And for those that don't know, our, well, this crowd, of course, knows <laughs> Rick Simpson oil. I didn't know about it. I'm, I'm a kid who never used, um, cannabis ever. My partner does quite a bit, but I just, um, I never enjoyed, I tried it maybe twice in high school smoking mm-hmm. and I didn't enjoy it. Um, I had never tried any edibles or anything like that. I just, it wasn't for me. So I never touched it. I didn't know anything about it um, other than, you know, being around it. Many of my friends, and like I said, my partner as well, use it regularly, but um, I, I did not. Okay, so she told you about uh, Rick Simpson oil, cannabis oil. Yes. And uh, you st- did you start taking it right away? How did you how, so, did, how did you obtain it, by the way? Good question. Okay, so. In Florida, we they had just passed the – has it been passed yet? I can't remember. Uh, m- medical marijuana is legal here in Florida. However, uh, only recently the actual bud or flower became available. Prior to that, the only thing you could get uh, with, a, with a state card was uh, vape or sublingual oils or balms. That was all that was available. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have a card at the time. So I did my research. I found a wonderful uh, resource on Facebook called, uh, it was a, a page called Cannabis Oil Success oh, oh, Stories. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 Go do ahead. you know that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was able to do a lot of, pretty much all of my research through that website. There's a little search bar on the left side. You can put in a, a search keyword term, and then there's just because the the site is so popular and has been around for so long, literally thousands of threads related to what you're doing. And so I just kind of pieced it together, uh, and and got my education in that respect. Um, so the question, I guess, was um, how I got it. So um, I called a friend of a friend and uh, was able to obtain about a pound of different types of cannabis uh, leaf 
and um, I got my rice cooker and my strainers and my um, my, my 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 stainless steel pots, and I I made myself some Rick Simpson oil, a great deal of it actually. Cause <laughs> like I said, I, I had a whole pound. <laughs> so and then those. This is a guy. Those, this is a guy who never dealt with cannabis at all. Never. And never. Not, I not, didn't. Now I you're making your I own oil. Yes. Yeah, I became, <laughs> and I tell you, if I had to, I'm fascinated now, and I, it, I, to the, to the young people out there where this can actually be a career. If I was, you know, 20 years old, this would be my career. <laughs> I find it absolutely fascinating, and uh, it, I, I still don't particularly like the, uh, the effects of the euphoric, euphoric effects. I take my oil before bed, mm-hmm. um, but just the properties and what I've learned about it and how it is absolutely just the most fascinating, uh, plant. And so how lucky are we to, to, to have it? How did you start taking it? Was it uh, suppository orally or? Initially? Yes. So I would, I then took the oil and I, I, uh, cut it with uh, coconut oil, my very first batch, probably about 50%. And I would, um, I sucked them into these little plastic syringes, one milliliter each. And so initially, yes, I was taking them as suppository and the, the tumor being right on the other side of my, of my sphincter, I was able to lay the material directly on it. And then I would just, you know, lay on my stomach for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes after taking it. And, um, I would, I would take actually, I guess half a tube in the morning and then half a tube at night, which I believe worked out to be about a gram. Uh, how we figured it out. I did get some help from a, uh, a register, a nurse practitioner uh, out of California that is in business, you know, to cons- as a consultant, and so she helped me out with the um, uh, the dosing and and so forth. But and actually, how I found her was uh, an article on that uh, Facebook page that I mentioned earlier, and she had written an article about how. Um, suppository, the absorption of the suppository, taking cannabis through suppository Mm -hmm. doesn't give you the absorption that people think that it does. And so that was actually why I contacted her because that's how I was taking it. And she recommended that I also begin taking it orally. So I did um, as well. So I was taking one gram a day. I've worked up to one gram a day orally and then also suppository. So for several months, I was walking around absolutely (laughs) High as a kite. <laughs> Did you go to work? Yes. Now I'm lucky. Uh, it's <laughs> it's a family business that I work in. Okay. And, um, we don't get a whole lot. It, it's a it's a store. Uh, we don't get a whole lot of, of of traffic. So I was able able to maintain. Um, pretty much by ten or eleven o'clock, I was fine. But when I would wake up in the morning, it was yeah. <laughs> Craig, I did was, you? I was, uh, sorry. Did you, did you uh, get your oil tested? Do you know what the cannabinoid profile was? I, I never did. Mm-hmm. I was interested in doing it, but that was all I could, regardless of what was in it, was, was just what I was going to take because that's yeah. what I had. So it didn't matter really yeah. what was in it. Yeah. So no, was, I did not. Interesting. You know, you're talking about the Florida uh, program and what's available and not available. I get tons of calls from people in Florida because unfortunately, like, most other medical cannabis programs, most of these places do not carry anything where near what you need, e- even if you have got that card. Indeed. Um, now, recently, uh, our new governor 
did change the law. Well, actually, he didn't change the law. He followed the law. It was a constitutional amendment that was passed that allowed for the medical cannabis. And in it, there were no stipulations in terms of, of the flower or leaf being available or not available. They, they used, from my understanding, the exact terminology that came out of the, uh, the Florida statutes in terms of criminality, in terms of how they defined marijuana. So it was the legislature that decided, yeah, yeah, but mm, we're not going to let you have that. So the new governor did come in and say, because due to a lawsuit, that they would have lost. So he said, well, either the legislature has to change this and and follow the constitutional amendment that was passed, or I'm going to stop fighting this lawsuit. And either way, it's going to happen. So either you can be in charge of it, or it's just going to happen on its own. And so the law did, or the law has recently been followed probably in the last six months. So now that the, the flower and leaf is available, but it's not Although available it's, in the potency it needs. I get somewhere between 60 and 80 calls a week from people with a rendition of, you know, I've been on the oil for two months, how so come it's not working? And when they circle back, uh, it's nowhere near the level that they need to fight cancer. Oh, that's true. Yes, if you're buying the oil from the dispensary, you're cr- absolutely correct. Yes, you have to make your own. Otherwise, the potency isn't enough. And Corey, what would the potency have to be to kill cancer? Uh, when I get calls like that, I, I tell people a minimum of 60% THC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know here in Canada, we're capped out at 30. So you got to make your own. So Craig, when you started taking the oil, when did you go back to the doctor for another test? So let's see. I started actually taking the oil. My first batch, by the way, I actually got from California. That was before I was able to find the leaf. Um, mm-hmm. I have family, like I said, in California. And um, so I, I purchased some uh, of the RSO. That was how it was marketed anyway. And my sister shipped it to me, <clears throat> breaking the law. But thank you, sister, for doing that. Um, and so that's what got me started. So that was actually, uh, that would have been middle of January. Um, and I made my first batch shortly after that when I was able to obtain the, the cannabis leaf and enough of it to do and get. Also, the other thing is <laughs> you, you have to, you make it with the grain alcohol, which is 95 proof, which is also illegal in Florida. <laughs> so I had to have that shipped in too <laughs> from New York. Yeah. Got a, that's a great state, huh? So, um. I started uh, January. I probably, let's see, it would have been maybe mid-February when I started also taking it orally. And I continued to do so until July, um, mid-July. And that was when I had a scan, uh, another MRI. And uh, it came back with no evidence of disease. Are you taking a maintenance dose? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Please continue to do that. Yep. I, I continue to take a maintenance dose. And by the way, I also, I did other things as well. I also completely changed my diet where I eat no animal protein. I mean, I'm, I, I don't call myself a vegan because there's, there's more to it than, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a 90% vegan, uh, and in no processed foods, very, very little sugar. Uh, I still, you know, I eat fruit and things that have natural sugar, but you know, uh, processed foods, uh, no alcohol. I don't drink coffee any longer. Just, uh, you know, lots of teas, lots of supplements. I exercise. You know, I, I really changed. I was in good shape. Like I said, I, I had that what I thought was a bulletproof immune system. Uh, but I, I really, really straightened up. 
And um, so I think all of those things together, perhaps also the fact that I had never used cannabis before. So here's this new thing coming into my body. You know, I don't know if that has relevance or not, but this new substance coming in that being introduced and, and boy, did it work. Did the doctors know what you were doing? Yes, I did tell my oncologist and I, the surgeon I didn't see through all of this. Mm -hmm. I saw him for the appointment after the conventional treatment, wherein he told me, and I have the letter right in front of me that said, uh, it says the group consensus for the next stage of treatment for Mr. Kettleson is for him to undergo an APR, which is, I'm only saying that it's, uh, because I can't pronounce the word. It's, it's a colostomy. And, and, uh, so I didn't see him until after July, after I'd had that scan. And what, what was his, back. what was his response? Well, okay. So I, so then I would have seen him in late July, perhaps, or August, and this would still be in 2017. And, uh, and he said, Oh, so you're here to schedule your surgery. I said, no, no, not exactly. I'm here for you to, to have a look and, and talk to you about, um, about what I did. And he said, well, what did you do? And I said, well, instead of having the surgery, I opted to go on natural treatment using cannabis. And he, he kind of gave a sigh and said, okay, he says, well, let's have a look. And he, he almost, I sensed almost a bit of anger, like, how could you be risking your life doing that sort of thing? That was sort of the feeling I was getting. And in so many words, he even said that, uh, this, it went very quick. Um, so I'm in the, in the table and doing a scope and he's saying, well, you know, if, well, let me think for a second. He said, whatever you did, you're, you're going to have to, you know, keep doing it. And, and you're going to have to come back every three months for a scan and you're going to, and a, and an examination. And then he went in and he actually saw that the, uh, what was left of the tumor was just this tiny little scar tissue. And then he kind of got excited. He said, well, gosh, this looks great. Wow. That looks awesome. You know, he didn't say awesome, but <laughs> his, his whole demeanor changed when he actually had a look down there. And, uh, and then he says, okay, well, good for you. And, but he asked no questions. You know, I, that I stated what I did and that was it. And then, okay, well, I need to see you again. It's in three months, you know, if you're doing what, what they call wait and watch, which is when you have a, a, a complete clinical response, which is what they're taking credit for. <laughs> then the let the, the letter after that one that he sent to my, um, my primary care physician, <laughs> said that, uh, the chemo and radiotherapy was successful. <laughs> and it was oh. about half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting listening to both you and Corey because you both had similar uh, issues to deal with. Uh, Corey, when she was offered radiation, they said it would close her orifices, but uh, we can take you upstairs and dilate the back one for you. <laughs> yeah. And no thanks. Yeah. Say, I, I didn't do any chemo or radiation uh, at all, Craig. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just did oil. That was it for me. And you weren't, you didn't know anything about oil when you started, no. did you? No. No. And I was like you, it had very limited um, uh, experience with cannabis and none of it had been good. So uh, I, you know, shied away from it, didn't have anything against it, but um, certainly wasn't a user at the time. Well, Corey, who introduced you to the oil and that, that kind of treatment? Oh, I was completely on my own. This was before the days of Facebook uh, uh, sure. pages on this. So I watched, uh, my sister sent me the video, Run From The Cure, 
and uh, I watched that and uh, then started researching from from there. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you did no conventional treatment? None whatsoever. Amazing. And she was supposed to be dead within two to four months. Yeah, I've just, just received uh, last month, seven years, all clear. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel like you're my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, when you tell people uh, who you know that you took cannabis, do you get any negative reaction? So far, not really. Um, the people who might have given a negative reaction, it's more of, I would say, more it's skeptical. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. probably had more to do with the diet or, or, or the chemo and radiation. remission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to a degree, they, they might be right. I was checked by the surgeon um, relatively quickly from what I understand now. I think it was about just six weeks after treatment ended. And from what I understand, it's, you really ought to be looking at that uh, more like eight weeks or even 10 weeks out to, to see what the actual response is going to be, um, the full response, um, which, which makes me scratch my head going, well, then why were they checking me at six and telling me that I needed surgery other than just because they wanted to do surgery? But that's another that's another podcast. <laughs> Craig, so, quit asking uh, those nagging questions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. you changed your diet, and uh, you went, do you eat fish at all? Rarely. Maybe once a month. Yeah, so you're almost a vegetarian. Yes, yeah. V- very, very little. I try yeah. to stay away. It just feels like every bite um, can be... Uh, health positive or health negative. And that's not to say that fish is health negative mm-hmm. uh, or, or any of those things, but it just, for me, uh, every, everything that goes into my mouth, I think about now. And so I am just careful with what I yeah. eat. And so, yes, occasionally now I do, we were just on a, on a trip in a, in New York and some clients of ours took us to an amazing fancy unbelievable restaurant the kind you see you know in the movies where dinner literally lasted five hours i ate anything they put in front of me i didn't ask questions and it was Mm -hmm. great but that was like a one-time thing (laughs) so no i don't typically eat fish although you know every once in a while if there's nothing else or you know i i I would but that's why i save it for things like that but normally on every day i just eat vegetables and grains legumes fruits now, with the weight you lost and the diet and the supplements you take, how do you feel physically compared to prior to your diagnosis? Well, you know, that's another reason why I don't eat the animal protein is the way it makes me feel. I feel amazing, especially when I – if I have time in the morning to to, to make a – to juice, you know, where I make a great vegetable juice with my juicer. Mm-hmm. Man, when I get done with that, about 15 minutes later, it feels like every cell in my body is vibrating. Um, I've got incredible energy. Um, my com- Not that I had a bad complexion, but um, I would get clogged pores a lot. And all of that is just completely gone away. Um, and um, – I sleep better. Well, that might also have to do with the cannabis because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I do take it at night. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, I feel amazing. And that's another one of the reasons why I am sticking to the diet is how it makes me feel. It's just, it's for me, 
it is, um, I'm much better on this diet. I feel better. I feel like I look better and, um, and I'm very happy with it. Craig, what advice would you have for people who receive a cancer diagnosis? I guess it would depend on the type of cancer. And the very first thing is I would find out how quickly the cancer is, uh, you know, is growing or, or that type of cancer is typically grows because like I said, the very first thing they do. And from what I understand, you know, having spoken now to other, other people who've gone through conventional treatment, you're immediately swept into this whirlwind. And it literally is like that where you, you, you don't know what your all of these new doctors, all of these new terms, all of these tests, they're constantly taking blood and constantly. It, it, so that would be my first question. And then take a beat and do your research. I, I read some fantastic books um, and, and I would learn about it and figure out what's right for you. I'm not, I wouldn't discourage someone from going through conventional treatment necessarily. Um, I, I, I think that to myself is like, okay, if it came back, but I do the conventional treatment again. Well, I, I don't know the answer to that because I'm, I'm still taking the maintenance dose. Probably not, but I would, I, I would, um, I would definitely take the time to learn and become educated so that you aren't just immediately swept into this thing. Yeah. It's a vortex you swept into. Absolutely. Because I think there are a lot of things that you can do on a natural perspective, um, in terms of diet, exercise and, and natural remedies and, and supplements that they may not be right for everyone. They were certainly right for me. Craig, it's a fantastic story, and uh, we're so pleased that you're healthy, cancer-free, and uh, it was great of you to share this. And how do you think your parents will react once they find out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to tell them. And, and actually, going home this Christmas, it may come up. Um, it's so funny, you know, because I, I did lose about 50 pounds, and so when I came home, I mean, I wasn't heavy, but, you know, my face was much fuller. I was, I was about 190 195, 192, I think was my heaviest weight. And I went um, at one point all the way down to 140, not because of the treatment. I did lose a little bit of weight because of the treatment, but rather because of the diet and, and the lifestyle changes that I made with the exercise and so forth. So So I did lose a great deal of weight and they just said, wow, you lost a lot of weight. I said, yeah, I sure did. And that was all they asked. (laughs) (laughs) So how tall are you? I'm six foot, Mm. six foot, 140. That's pretty. No, no, I weigh more. I weigh more than that now. Yeah, but you went down to 140. Uh, 145. 145. Was my lowest. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really, really skinny for at least for me. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I weighed what I did in I think eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great story, and uh, Corey can relate. I can. Yeah, and uh, since you don't know about Corey, we suggest that you listen to episode one, and you can hear her story. I will do that. Yeah, it's great. Craig, thanks very much. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Craig. Corey, I want to read a couple of uh, reviews we got on uh, iTunes, Apple okay. iTunes. It's uh, one from Canada. It says, I love these two for making this podcast. They've opened so many people's minds to the possibility of healing themselves with no negative side effects with cannabis. With so much love, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that was from um, 
Canada. A number from Australia. One says, I've been listening and re-listening for about a year. I have no serious illness myself, but at 58. However, following the ideas in these podcasts has enabled me to improve my quality of life by eliminating annoying stomach problems and general aches and pains that seem to be getting worse the older I get. This is a great educational resource for anyone that wants more out of life. And that's from David in Canberra. And one more from uh, Australia. It says, this podcast is a must-have for people fighting cancer and other serious diseases. Learn and be amazed about the healing properties of cannabis oil. Real people share miraculous stories and tips about healing cancer, MS, epilepsy, and so much more. Corey Yelland has herself used cannabis oil to cure herself of cancer. Corey's quest is now to help people all over the world to get back their health from cancer and disease. Thank you so much, Corey and Ian, for helping us with the cure. We can never thank you enough. Ah, that's really nice. Well, some people can thank us if they like to donate to Cannabis Health Radio. Uh, We have a donate page on our CannabisHealthRadio.com. And we thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, Come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.